Hey everybody, welcome back to Checkerboard Chat, the official sports podcast of the Daily Beacon. I'm Tyler Wombles and that's to Michael Cole. We're back here bringing you some more Tennessee Athletics news, updates, discussions, whatever we feel like talking about. So first of all, just to get this kicked off, DeMichael, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch for the Tennessee softball team. Just yeah. starting off, you know, they, they had that series against South Carolina they lost, then they got, you know, beat by Georgia in you know, had two straight run rule games. It was actually the first time that the Tennessee softball team has lost uh, in run rule games, uh, consecutive games at home, the first time ever in their program history. And I think I heard it was just the second time they've lost uh, two consecutive games by run rules since 2008. Yeah. So, you know, especially for this team that started out off so strong, they had like a win streak that was in the 20s, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think it was 22-game win streak and 31 start, fast start in program history. So Sure. Yeah. So, DeMichael, just what, just take me through that. What have you seen uh, from this team lately, and do you think this is more of just a bump on the road, or is it more cause for concern for Ralph and Karen Weekly and their squad? Well, it's, it's a cause for concern, definitely. I mean, you get run ruled in consecutive games. There's definitely a cause for concern there. But you look at how well this team started the season. And did they really think, you know, that they had a lot of things to work on? I mean, obviously the coaches were saying, we need to work on this. We still need to work on this during the, you know, 22-game win streak and, you know, the 30-1 and start. But, I mean, they got off to the fastest start in program history. And, I mean, they were rolling. So, now they're getting, you know, that reality check, that bump in the road that teams need usually. And a lot of teams go through, I mean, quite frankly, pretty much every year. And just for this Tennessee team, it's a, you know, it's a lot harder bump than you probably want. But, I mean, it's 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 tough. But, I mean, we've said it over and over again. This, this SEC is like something we've yeah. never seen. And, I mean, Georgia, they're, they're really good. And South Carolina, they were really good. And, I mean, they're going to keep coming. I mean, every team that Tennessee plays for the rest of this season will be really good. There are no more easy, you know, run rule games that you can just look on the schedule and say that's an easy run rule game. These SEC opponents that they have coming up are all fierce competitors. So, I mean, they don't have, you know, any time to make any adjustments. They're going to be, they're gonna have to be in-game adjustments, and the players are just going to have to, you know, they're going to have to play better. They're going to have to pitch better. And, you know, we saw some games. They're definitely going to have to hit better. Yep. So right now they're just like um, I think um, Weekly said it, or Ralph Weekly said, that they just they just um, got outmatched yeah. in um, the Georgia game. So he doesn't think that they're, you know, it's a confidence issue or things like that. They're just being, you know, outmatched right now. So maybe that's a vote of confidence saying, you know, they'll they'll be fine eventually. Yeah. Sure. And then, you know, DeMichael, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I'll throw my two cents in there too. Uh-huh. But, you know, you talked about, you know, they, ha- they need to shore up some of the pitching, need to shore up some of the hitting. Which of those two aspects do you think is most vital? Do you think it's more, you know, an issue with their pitching? You know, obviously they're still trying to – Figure that rotation out a little bit. You know, you have Kalen Arnold and Matty Moss, who are those for sure starters, and Gabby Strang is, Sprang is being brought up, you know, a little bit, little by little. Do you think it's more of a pitching issue they need to get that sorted out, or do you think it's more just the offense isn't creating enough runs, not giving those pitchers enough space to operate? I think the offense will eventually be fine. I, I have a little bit more confidence in this offense. I mean, you have Megan Gregg, who just set the RBI record here, and she'll set the home run record probably – 
I mean, maybe in the next week, yeah. maybe in the next two weeks, but more than likely she'll set that very soon. I think she needs two more home runs, and she's on pace for like 18 or 19 this season. So she should, you know, comfortably break that record. So when you have a bat like that in the lineup, and the way um, Chelsea Sagan, she's hit the ball really well, she's mm-hmm. came on strong this year. Combine that with what you, you know, what you're expected to get out of Brooke Vines, and um, you know Jenna Holcomb at the top of that lineup, and you have some players that you know that are capable, very capable, of getting this offense rolling. But there, there are more question marks with the pitching. You know what you're going to get from Maddie Moss. Usually, you know, she's one of the top pitchers in the SEC. Yeah. Kaylin Arnold, you usually know what you're going to get from her too. But sure. she's she she will, you know, she's capable of having yeah. a less than stellar performance sure. she's every young. now. Yes, yeah, sure. yeah, definitely. Um, she's so she's capable of you know having a less than stellar performance every now and then. And then that third pitcher you talked about, um, Gabby, and the thing with her is, you know. They they want her to be that third starter because they need it. I mean, it's hard to win a yeah, World Series sure. without that. And, and they operated all last season with really only yeah. having two starters, and so it, they know yeah. how tough that can be. Yeah, and that finally, you know, we saw how that, that bit them mm-hmm. in that Texas A&M yep. game. So, and you don't want to be in that position this year. No. So, they, they need her, and they're trying to work her in. And she she's probably the most important player right now to this team as far as where they're going to go this season. Because if they can get her and develop into that consistent third starter, then the sky's the limit. I mean, because pitching pitching is what it's all about in the SEC. And, I mean, there are so many good pitchers. We saw with Georgia, they ran into some good pitching. South Carolina, they ran into some good pitching. And, I mean, it's going to continue. I mean, Texas A&M has really good pitching. LSU, and I mean, so forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these teams have good pitching. So, your bats... I mean, they have strong bats. Tennessee has Megan Gregg. I mean, she might be the best hitter um, in the SEC. Sure. Tennessee has Jenna Holcomb, who's, you know, a very good table setter. Chelsea Sagers came on strong this year, as we've mentioned. So, the bats, I think they'll be there. Maybe it's more of a slump thing with them right now. But pitching, that's more of the cause of concern. Obviously, we said that at the beginning of the season, and the question marks are still there. Sure. And I'm actually going to, you know, take the other road. I'm, I'm uh-huh. just going to a little bit disagree with you just a little okay. bit, you know, in a friendly way, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I think that the, the bigger issue right now, in my opinion, is the offense. You know, that, that pitching, like you said, it is so vital, especially in this league, in the SEC. But, you know, in Matty Moss, you've got an experienced veteran. Mm-hmm. You've got a player that, yeah, she may not have great games. Obviously, you know, in that last game against Georgia, she, you know, gave up eight runs. But I think the key thing with that game was the lack of offensive production. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at that scoreline, you think, well, you know, not only did the offense not produce, but, you know, she gave, she gave up eight runs. Well, those eight runs didn't all come in two innings or even three innings. You know, a lot of times Georgia would get one run at a time or two runs at a time. She did give up. I think she gave up two home runs. I mean, that's never good for a team. But when you have Megan Gregg on the offensive side, a player that, like you said, can hit it out of the park at almost any at bat, um, you know, I think you said the all-time program leader in RBIs, which, Mm -hmm. interesting enough, she actually got, you know, off of a hit-by-pitch. Yeah, I mean, the weirdest way. The the weirdest way that that could have happened. Yeah, that that was just very interesting. You Mm -hmm. know, it wasn't wasn't something you'd expect when you see RBI in the the scoreline. But but anyways, I think (laughs) what I saw in that game, that last game against Georgia, Maddie Moss, she didn't play poorly, 
she just had no help from her offense. Your offense, if you're a pitcher, they have to get you runs. I mean, you know, you can see games where they, you know, a pitcher might lose one to zero. Obviously, it wasn't this type of game. She did give up eight runs, but that was, and they wore run rule, but it was, I think, the bottom of the sixth inning. It was six innings, so they, they had that stretch of play. And if your offense doesn't get you enough runs as a pitcher, it's not going to amount to anything. So, and you know, Tennessee has so much potential on the offensive side that they really don't have a lot of excuse to have games like that. You know, you have Matty Moss, you have Sager, and you have, you know, you have Brooke Vines. You have a lot of players that can produce for you. And, you know, pitching, and it's going to come and go. Pitching is going to come and go for you. You know, we know this, you know, we see this in the MLB where you play, you know, 162 games. Mm-hmm. You know, you see this. Obviously, you don't play that many in college softball, but you do play a good amount of games. You know, pitchers, sometimes it's their not, sometimes it's their not, it's not their not. But your hitters, they have to be more consistent. Okay, yeah. And um, with that point, I'll say that with the pitching, I think um, a pitcher like Matty Moss, I mean, obviously any pitcher really, um, you get your confidence from, you know, your run support most of the time. Sure. And, you know, when your team spots you three or four runs in the first two or three innings, then there's no doubt about it that affects the way you pitch compared to when you have zero run support through four innings. And, I mean, there's no doubt about that, that that affects the way you pitch as a pitcher. But at the same time, I would say um, the weekly say it all the time, um, they just want these pitchers to throw strikes. Sure. That is the most important thing. You know, Karen says that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like the emphasis that they put on throwing strikes and these pitchers, they should be the ones that are more consistent than the hitters. I mean, as hitters, it's it's hard. I mean, because for one, you have to, you know, the old saying, hit them where they ain't. I mean, you got eight defenders in the field and you have to find the spots in that sure. field to hit them where they ain't. So you combine that with, I mean, if, you know, in softball, a good hitter may get, what, four out of ten. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get out six more times than, you know, that, than you're successful. And you combine that with, um, I mean, just just at-bats where, I mean, you can have very good at-bats and still get out. So I think pitching is what you expect to be more consistent because you look at um, Maddie Moss going into that game. I'm not sure what her ERA is after that game, but she was yeah. around 1.33, yeah, I, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was exactly 1.33. Yeah. Going into that game, so I mean, with an earned run average like that, that's I mean, just a, a little over one run a game, and she's consistently done that this season. And um, Kaylin Arnold, her ERA wasn't that high. Either. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but um, with those pitchers, their earned run average is usually under three for mm-hmm. Tennessee. If you're a starting pitcher for the Lady Vols, <laughs> your ERA usually is under three. So if you're giving up consistently around three runs or less per game then I think the pitchers are, are the more consistent part of this team. But with those batters, every now and then you'll have um, have someone go three for four, then the next game 0 for four. But still, you know, that's three for seven sure. overall, so that's still a very high hidden yeah. clip. So hidden, I feel like, comes and goes more so than than the pitching. And I, that's why I think – I mean, you'll you have to live with that. Like, the best teams will win those one-to-nothing games, those two-to-one games. You know, they call them pitcher's duels. Yep. And the team just has to manufacture those runs. So, I think that's what Tennessee is definitely capable of. You know, they call it a boop and a pop. You get 
someone on base, and then Megan Gregg or Brooke Vines comes in, and bam, 2-1. You win the game when Manny Moss gives up one run. So I think the hitting, it's going to come and go more so than the pitching, especially in the SEC when you're going to get so many top-tier pitchers. And um, even though you have a very good lineup, you're 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 at a disadvantage when you're going to get good pitchers because you can have a very good at bat. You can force a full count and make them throw twelve pitches, but eventually you can you know line out. You can pop out, and I mean it's just you're at a disadvantage as a hitter. But that's why I think this pitching staff is the most important. Um, part to where this team will go this season mm. okay for sure mm. so you know obviously we'll we'll see what the weeklies do what yeah. adjustments they may make um they may not care too much about what we have to say about <laughs> it but you never know you know we might you know they might they might get an email saying you know we'd like to hear you i doubt it but you never <laughs> know but okay so now we're going to talk a little bit about some tennessee football obviously tuesday was the first day that the media was allowed to interview the players, talk to him under this new coaching regime, under Jeremy Pruitt. Um, DeMichael was there for us. He was actually covering that press conference for us. So, DeMichael, just you know, heading into it, what players did you get to talk to, and were there any main takeaways to, to take away from what they said? Well, we got to talk to Corte Sapp, you know, who's a linebacker on the team, Drew Richmond, offensive lineman, I believe be a senior this year, and Nigel Warriors, probably one of the most talented players on the team, sure. safety this year, that'll be a junior. And there weren't many takeaways from, you know, the first – they were pretty mom on, you know, the things they had to say overall. But um, the one thing that stood out to me was one of the most glaring differences that they say that they have um, taken away from – the Pruitt era from the Bush Jones era is the difference in the emphasis on meetings. And um, Drew Richmond said that the meetings are longer, and then Nigel Warrior added that how um, last year they had meetings, but they weren't this intensive. They weren't, you know, this this long. And he's demanding a lot more out of the, out of the players in these meetings to where it gets to the point that when they get on the field, you know, they have the mental part down. Sure. So, obviously, you know, in foot, football and really in any sport, when you have the mental part down, it allows you to play at a, at a faster pace mm-hmm. because you're not so afraid to make mistakes. And that's where, you know, Pruitt's trying to get this team. And I, I think that's, a, you know, a good idea because, you know, um, growing up playing sports, the coaches always tell you that um, it's 90% mental and um, 10% physical. Yep. So, Ninety that 90% mental mostly comes from things like meetings. So if they're getting that part down, then when they get on the field, you know, they'll be playing faster and they'll be playing with more confidence. So I think um, that was the biggest takeaway, the emphasis that Pruitt has put on meetings. He's talked about it um, to us already um, about how he's focusing in on these meetings with these um, position groups. But, um, yeah, each, each um, Drew Richmond, he said that the meetings are longer. Mm-hmm. And and Nigel Warrior um, talked about you know how how intense they are. So that's definitely something fans can take away and look forward to um, seeing translate on the field. Yeah, and I think that seems to almost be you know the theme of Jeremy Pruitt's first spring practice is that intensity. Yeah, and I think it is interesting that you mentioned you know that that you know it is ninety percent mental, and mm-hmm. that as a player you play a lot faster whenever you have those mental reps down yeah. whenever you know you know okay this is what I'm supposed to do on this play you know if the guard pulls over here I'll follow You're him flying, over here yeah. yeah I'm in this zone um and I think 
and I think we we're seeing that in Pruitt's practices. You know, we've talked about it before. They're more fast-paced than what we've seen before. Yeah. He seems to really be working these players, and, you know, that may be more due to, you know, we just need to get more conditioned, but or it may be to, due to, you know, he, he has that same idea that you have, DeMichael, of, you know, well, if we get the guys in the in the uh, meeting room and we get them to learn what they're doing, then we can really test them outside and we can push them farther. And maybe a lot of that fast pace is due to the players understanding that. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely possible. And then, you know, I think I think it was good that you got to talk to Nigel Warrior. Obviously, he's a guy, you know, that I remember thinking at the end of the last season, he was possibly the guy that I could have said was their best player on the yeah. team. I think he led the team in tackles. If he wasn't the leader, he was second or third for multiple weeks. He did lead them in tackles. Um, you know, and he wasn't a guy that was very loud, specifically. He wasn't, you know, he plays a position where he wasn't going to get a huge amount of fame. He gets some more than, like, an offensive lineman or something, but right, he wasn't right. going to get a huge amount of fame. But I think he was a guy that was making tackles. I don't remember if he had an interception. I'm sure he did have – some type of turnover. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think as a team they didn't have many interceptions. I think it was five for the sure. season. So yeah. Yeah, but I think that you know Nigel Warrior. Just talking more about him, I think he's a guy that really could be a centerpiece for this team. Not only leading the defense, especially mm-hmm. with you know with the situation with Todd Kelly. Yeah. You know we don't know where he is health wise. Um, obviously, he has been working to get back from last season. Yeah. But. If he's not ready to go right away or if he's not ready to play as many reps as they'd like him to, I think that Nigel Warrior can even take more of that leadership role and move up. Yeah, and another guy, um, obviously we talked to him too, was Corte Sapp. And obviously, you know, they're, they're switching schemes this year. They're going for a 4-3 four, four, to a 3-4. Yep. Pruitt's running a 4-3 scheme. And, um, you know, last year – Corte Sapp was an outside linebacker. So when you switch to that 3-4, usually those outside linebackers in the 4-3 usually move inside, and that's what Corte Sapp's doing this year. Sure. So one thing they've asked him in the offseason is to get bigger because, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he's going to have to take on probably more blocks. And as a yeah. wheel linebacker in a 4-3, you you know, you have more freedom of space and mm-hmm. you're flying sideline to sideline. Well, now he's probably going to have to dodge guards. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. With that, you know, they've asked him to gain more weight. And Corte Sepp, you know, we, we saw the potential there. Obviously, early in his career, he battled, you know, injuries and things like that. But I think he's going to be a really key player to for them, too, especially now that he's moving to that inside linebacker position. So now you look at the depth they have there now with, like, him moving inside. That adds depth because, you know, obviously, at the other um, inside linebacker position, you still have guys like Daniel Batuli and yep. Will Ignat. So, um Corte Sapp, I think he'll definitely be one of the starters at that inside linebacker position. It'll be interesting to see what kind of weight he puts on because I believe um, last year he was listed at like 214 pounds. So, obviously, you know, Pruitt, if you saw those Alabama linebackers and those Florida State linebackers, he probably wants them in that at least that 225 range. So, it'll be interesting (laughs) to, you know, see his progress with with his weight. And, he, you know, he likes it moving to that – inside linebacker position. It's not much of a difference. You know, you're still controlling the defense pretty much. But, yeah, that's another thing to watch, too. And I think that is key, like you said, for a lot of these linebackers, especially when you switch positions as a linebacker, maybe move inside or outside. Mm -hmm. You know, especially switching from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4 defense, it can can change a lot of what you look for. You know, like you said, if you're an outside linebacker in a 4-3 defense, you're more along those Mm sidelines. Maybe, you know, you won't be taking up as many of those blocks, maybe trying to make a tackle on the perimeter. But then when you're inside, you might be asked to read a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, see what the guards are doing, elude them, and sort of, you know, 
I'm not sure if Pruitt prefers both of his linebackers to make calls to both of his inside to make calls to the defense. Yeah. Or if that's more since that was more the middle linebackers role in the four three defense. But it will be interesting to see how that takes place and how you know a lot of these linebackers. And then also just all the players on Pruitt's team really respond and really change to some of these position changes and then ultimately the changes in the defensive scheme and the offensive schemes. But that's going to wrap it up for us today, guys. Thank you for watching. Uh, this is Ty Wombles, and that's to Michael Cole. Uh, we'll be back here next week for more Checkerboard Chat, more Tennessee Athletics news and updates. So also make sure to keep updated on the Tennessee uh, on the Daily Beacon website for more you know sports information, coverage, all that. But once again, guys, thanks for watching. Uh, this is Todd Wombles. That's to Michael Cole, and we'll see you next time.